Hey everyone, welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today I want to share with you an interview that I did with best-selling author Tracy Wolf. She is the author of the Crave series, and her newest book, Charm, is out now. Uh, the Crave series consists of five books currently, with more books on the way. Uh, that would be Crave, Crush, Covet, and Court. And they follow the the story of a girl named Grace who arrives at Catmere Academy and discovers that everything she thought she knew about her life isn't at all what she thought at all. And, and she discovers this incredible world of um, vampires and werewolves and dragons and witches and just about everything you can imagine. And as she goes through this journey, she discovers that she is actually a gargoyle, which is one of the rarest creatures in this line of, of creatures that, that Tracy has created in this world that she's built. And so this has been a story that follows Grace's adventures and uh, the friends that she's made and the things that they've had to do to protect themselves from all of the things that, uh, you know, they're faced with some of the same things that, that we're faced with, um, you know, the fear of being different and corruption and absolute power that corrupts absolutely and archaic systems that are designed to oppress others. And there are so many themes in these books that are, you know, you read a book and, and you think, you know, okay, it's, it's a fantasy world and it's set in this fantasy environment, but more often than not, they, they have real stories that relate to our own lives and watching Grace kind of accept the fact that she's not who she thought she was. The world she thought existed isn't what she thought it was. It's very reminiscent of, of a lot of our journeys where, you know, we go out into the world and we discover that what we thought was the case isn't actually the case, except it's done, you know, in this case, in a, in a, a world where vampires and werewolves and witches and dragons and all of those wonderful creatures uh, exist. And Grace is a fantastic character, great role model. She's not perfect. She's not, she doesn't have all the answers. And even when she thinks that she has the answers, they're not, not always the right answers. And that's what's such a great a great storytelling device that Tracy uses, you know, that she didn't create the perfect heroine. She created a relatable heroine that so many of us can look at and say, you know, I, I understand that. I understand where she is and where she's coming from and why she's making the decisions that she's making. And to help Grace on her journey, she's created this incredible supporting cast of characters. Um, there are these vampire brothers that are going through a lot of turmoil. And at the start of the, of the series, uh, Jackson is the, the vampire who, um, you know, he's a prince and he's very powerful and he's, he warns her to stay away, but they're drawn to each other. And then, uh, through the, the the course of these books, we learn that he's not actually her true mate. It's his brother, Hudson. And uh, so the new book that's out, Charm, is the story of how Grace and Hudson met. And if you're familiar with the series, you know that there's a period of about four months where Grace was in this dormant state after kind of coming into contact with her gargoyle powers. So charm is the story of what happened while she was in this kind of comatose state. Only she wasn't comatose to her, like in her world, she wasn't comatose. 
she was a gargoyle to the to the real world, to the outside world. They just they just saw her as this statue. But there was a whole lot of stuff going on in Grace's world where she was during those four months. And so this is where that story takes place. And it sheds a lot of light on her relationship with Hudson and the person that Hudson is and the reason that she and Hudson have such a strong connection. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. If you haven't read the books yet, uh, our, our conversation doesn't spoil anything. Um, any more than you would read if, you know, if you read the reviews of anything, you know, like you would know, you would know these, these plot points. But if you have read the books, then you're going to pick up a lot of really fascinating little tidbits that, uh, that Tracy shared with me in this interview. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite interviews. Uh, it's not every day that you get to meet your, one of your favorite authors in person. Um, and so we did this interview in one of the back rooms at Mysterious Galaxy, a very famous bookstore here in San Diego. And uh, I'm just so thankful and thrilled to be able to uh, to share this interview with you. So here it is in its uh, total glory is my interview with Tracy Wolf. Okay, so today I am talking with best-selling author Tracy Wolf, who is the author of the Crave series. And um, if you know anything about me, you know that I've loved the series since it came out. It was my companion, honestly. She's we're sitting here, and, and so you can't see how we're set up, but but I'm looking at her right now to tell her that her series got me through the pandemic. So it's just one of those things that. Um, this series is so near and dear to my heart. So being able to speak to you, Tracy, is just an incredible honor. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I I, I was telling you before we started uh, recording that I think podcasters are, are rock stars. I think you guys are amazing. I, I'm so impressed by everything you do. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. And uh, to hear that uh, my story helped you through maybe a little bit of a rough period, I really appreciate that. Well, it's, it's really lovely to hear. you know, it's, it's, books are such an important thing. I think people kind of, it's, you know, sometimes you get drawn in, in a certain period, like you're in a certain point in your life and you don't realize what you need until you kind of discover it. And I found that over the years, books have really done that where you, you don't know where you're going on the journey, but then when you get there, you're like, I don't know how I could have gotten through. I mean, it, it you know. 2020 was an incredible year for so many reasons. And I think back to, um, you know, to reading about Crave coming out and, you know, all of the early press. And I think, what an incredible story. I have to read this book. And then it just, um, yeah, it just transformed. It, it took me out of what was going on in my life and took me somewhere really special. And now I feel like it's just part of my life. So it's um it's an incredible thing that you do and, and the stories that you've put together are just amazing. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I uh you know, I've never really wanted to do anything at all on, you know, besides write. I mean, I I mean I love teaching and I love writing. Those are those are pretty much my my two passions and 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 the two careers that I've been lucky enough to have in my life. Uh so to to hear that my books touch people means a lot to me because uh yeah, I, I there's very few things in the world I love more than sitting down and um, spinning really, I think, fun and, and exciting tales. And you, I mean, you really do. It, when I look at your vast body of work to go from the Crave series. Oh, I love is, the sound of that. My vast body <laughs> oh, of work. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, you have, you have touched every genre. I mean, there is nothing that you haven't that you haven't done. I mean, you, you, from bands to, 
um, you know, alpha male billionaire kind of types that are just, you know, enigmatic and, you know, sports and, and just a little bit of everything. And then you have, you know, obviously Crave with these amazing, this, this world that you've built that's so rich and fulfilling and diverse and inclusive and incredibly epic just in terms of, of the scope of this, this universe you've created. You've really done, I mean, most people just focus on one area and you're just, you've done it all. Well, thank you for that. I actually have a brilliant editor who um, who really, um, well, she does two things. She's incredible at world building and really, you know, just helps me expand this universe. Um, we go over, she lives in Austin, where I live as well, and I'll go over and we will just brainstorm and, and bad ideas back and forth and back and forth um, until we're both really happy about, like, where the book and, and where the world is, you know, is going and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm very, very blessed to have Liz Pelletier. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I had something else I wanted to say about that, right? About the, the world, which, well, one, I appreciate the compliment, um, very much because, uh, world building always makes me, uh, very, very nervous. Um, so it's, it's nice to hear that, that it is appreciated. I had something else I wanted to say, but it's gone out of my head, so I'm gonna... Well, I'm sure it'll come back because we are just getting this conversation started. And and, uh, for the listeners, we're actually here at Mysterious Galaxy, part of your Bite Me World Tour. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And it's just, it's amazing to think um, that, you know, that that Charm just came out and you're celebrating Charm. Um, I can't believe that it was just a few short years ago that, that, that Crave came out and that there was so much excitement about this book, um, you know, the movie being option, you know, the, the rights being option for movies. And, and I remember thinking when I was reading it, like, this is the first book, this whole world is coming and we're just in the first book. And now we're already in the, like, how, how have we gotten to five books? Like, I, I don't even know because the thing, if, if you're, if you're new to Tracy's work, if, if you're if you're familiar with Tracy's work, let me put it that way. If you're familiar with it, you know that these books are not. These are like the books that you, if you need to, to elevate your computer to like, <laughs> you know, to, to to lift it up a little bit. These are the ones you grab. It's on a your book shelf. and a weapon. That's what I always say, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I say, you know, girls, you know, my teen readers carry in the backpack. You know, they're they're a weapon too. You know, I mean, these are these are huge, huge tomes of of literature. Um, I never met a word I didn't like. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and and court, I mean, seven hundred pages in in the with teeny teeny tiny font. Yeah, that that that's that's the funny thing, right? Because we were sure we knew where it was going and and what we were gonna do, and and um and I guess the point, right, where the book is just you know it has to fit on a shelf. It has to fit on a shelf at Target. It has to fit on a shelf at Mysterious Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It has to fit on a shelf. Again, <laughs> we can't have one book, you know, <laughs> per you know row on on a shelf or something. And so, yeah, Court um, is a behemoth of a book. It is, um, I believe it's well into the 300,000 range. And I know that we cut a lot out of it. I don't know exactly how many, but it was in the tens and tens of thousands that we cut out of it um, before we went to print. And, yes, it uh, runs margin to margin and, and teeny print. Yeah, there's there's a lot in that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so to think, you know, to, to get, there's to think that there's so much story to tell, I almost don't believe you when you say that it's, you know, that there's an end in sight because it just seems like there's no, there's never going to be an end. Like it's just going to keep going and going and going because 
there's so much you've again it's a testament to this world that you've built that um you know Catmere Academy and the in the the characters and the stories are so vibrant but even beyond the stories that you've created it just feels like there's so many other stories happening while we're reading these stories that I have to think you know this isn't this is a vast universe that but yeah, you don't have to end it. You can just say, okay, I'm done for now. Maybe we'll come back later. Yeah. You know, actually, I, um, thank you again. I feel like I, like you're just giving me so many compliments. <laughs> that means so much to me. I have to just say thank you, um, over and over again. But, um, I'm actually, yeah, I really love this world. I love playing in it. It's, um, like you mentioned, I, I've, I've written several different worlds in, in my time. I've written dragons and witches and mermaids and race car drivers and, you know, rock bands and whatever else. But I think mermaids, um, I think of, of, of all the books I've written, this is this is my favorite world to play in, and there is a lot, and that's why I'm really excited actually to to be writing the spinoff, um, which is set to come out. The first book is set to come out, I believe, a year from from today or a year from this week, something like that, or this month, definitely. I think it's November, and um, because it is, we're looking at other stories. We're looking at characters who were side characters in in the Crave series, um, Remy from from Covet and Izzy from court and we're kind of putting them in my my intrepid editor likes to call it the school for misfit toys um which i love so it's a very different kind of school than catmere it's a school for um people who who don't have anywhere else to go and a school for misfits a school for delinquents and uh i uh, i'm really excited to explore the the halls of calder calder academy and, and see where we go I love it. So I it's, uh, it. yeah, and we'll see different courts and we'll see more paranormal creatures that we haven't seen before in the Grave series and some that we have. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to think you know, people who are familiar with your work are, are aware of just what you've been able to create with this environment. I mean, it, there's a little bit of everything. Vampires might be at the forefront, but they're really not because there's also dragons and witches and just about everything you can possibly imagine. Um, so it really, I mean, it, it just seems like the sky's the limit. Like, I mean, once you get into the sandbox, why get out of it? <laughs> well, thank you. I, yeah, I, uh, I do. I have fun with, you know, when, when we, when I first sat down to, to write the series, um, my editor, um, publisher at, at Entangled had come to me and said, Hey, um, I'm really excited. I really want to bring vampires back. You know, you want to help me do it. And I was like, um, sign me up. I love vampires. But when I sat down to, you know, really think about the world that I wanted to create, I mean, I'd had an idea that had been brewing in the back of my head for a very long time. Um, you know, a boarding school and, and that kind of thing. I realized I couldn't choose. Like I said, I've written a witch series and I've written a dragon series and I've written a mermaid series. And so I thought, you know, why not create a world where... Um, where all of all of these paranormal creatures can can one live, um, maybe not always in harmony, mm-hmm. um, but can live and exist, and a world that's also in our world. Because for me, um, I mean, I love fantasy. I think fantasy is amazing, and I think that writers who build whole other universes are incredible. Um, but one of the things that I love is the idea of thinking: what if? what if the person next door to me is, is a vampire? Like, what if the cute guy who keeps warning me away um, happens to grow fangs or happens to have a tail or an howl at the moon or happens to have wings and can fly, you know? 
Um, I think I think there's something really fun in that, in in just imagining a world where where that's possible, and that's what I've tried to create with Catmere Academy. And you know, it's it's funny because this I had this question written: How did the story begin? You actually answered. See, I told you this is why I don't have notes. <laughs> like I have notes, but we don't need notes because we're just going to go to these places. Um, which you know, I love hearing how how that came about because you know you have to wonder when you. When you have somebody create a uni- when you set out to create a universe, I mean, how do you figure out, you know, what your parameters are? And I think, you know, that that makes perfect sense that you do, you know, you kind of wonder like, well, you know, how could you, there's so many ways to do it. You know, do you set it only in that world or do you set it, you know, to where it's like, you know, Vampire Academy where it's, it's very, you know, restricted and, you know, there's no humans and there's no, you know, whatever. The, everybody has their own kind of tools and, and, and rules in their, in their sandboxes, really. I mean, it's, you know you're going to come in my sandbox. This is how we play. And then in your world, you have this beautifully diverse, beautifully inclusive world that it's it's really striking to me. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this because it seems to me that paranormal stories are some of the most inclusive stories in a very different way where so it's usually not, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what your sexuality is or what your skin color is it's usually more of a species thing. Like, you know, the vampires are going to stick with the vampires and the witches are going to stick with the witches. And that's usually based on some archaic rule that has nothing to do with the people who are actually living those lives. And in your case, with the the, the group that you've built, it's very, um, you know, it, it's it's archaic in the sense that you have these young this young generation of people saying, well, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to follow these rules? Why can't I love the person that I love and you've just kind of that's I mean that's been the whole story throughout the Crave the Crave series is is challenging these old notions and and saying well why do they have to be like that and it's so beautiful to see this group of young people you know challenging these things so that they can be the people that they want to be and you've given them the freedom to do that. Thank you. Um, again, thank you. Um, there's a lot of a lot of things I really wanted to kind of do with this series. There are a lot of themes I really wanted to work through, and and one of them absolutely is, um, I wanted the world to look like the world in which I live, mm-hmm. um, and maybe because I'm an idealist and an optimist, I wanted it to look like a better version of of the world in which I live. Right, mm-hmm. a world where um, yeah, you know, you have all of these different um, species of, of, of paranormal creatures who can, can even, even when the outside world is telling them that they can't, right, um, can build a life together, um, whether it's a werewolf and a witch or a gargoyle and a vampire or a dragon and, and a vampire or, you know, a, a, drag, a vampire and a wizard, whatever it is. Um, and also beyond the romantic relationships and the romantic entanglements, um, and, and of course also, you know, whether you are um, boys and girls or boys and boys or non-binary or, or whatever it is, I wanted, I wanted everybody to feel, um, again, I wanted the world in my book to look like the world outside. And then I wanted... Because, you know, some people are born into really great families and some people are born into maybe not so great families. And some people, are you know, find their tribe early on and some people have to really struggle to find their tribe. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that, that, you know, 
in the end, my goal, you know, and what I hope for everybody who reads my books and what I hope for everybody, you know, in the world is that everybody finds their place, you know, that everybody finds the found family that loves you for for who you are and accepts you for your, your good points and your bad points. Because, you know, it's not that, that my characters are, are perfect. They're not. They have some really bad qualities, you know, some of them, you know, they're growing, they're learning, they're, they're making mistakes, some of them really bad mistakes. But I think that as long as, as, as we know that they're they're trying their hardest to do good mm-hmm. and they're trying their hardest to um to treat people well and each other well and 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 the, to build the life that they want um not on the shoulders of others but you know with others mm-hmm. in in the best way possible then i think that i think that we're okay you know there's there's a lot like i said a lot of themes in here one of one of the other ones that was very important to me was was the theme of feminine friendships. Like I said, I mentioned I've been a teacher and a writer, uh, mostly a romance and YA writer. Not mostly, totally a romance and YA writer. My uh, my entire career, and some of the, um, actually all of the most important friendships um, in my life have have come out of out of those relationships. Mm-hmm. And and I think that sometimes. Not always, but sometimes we see media portrayals of female friendships as maybe not always healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're seeing maybe more really healthy relationships in, in recent years, and that's amazing. But I think we've seen a lot of mean girls. We've seen a lot of, um, you know, maybe backstabbing and this and that. And I really wanted to show um, what really strong female friendships look like. Um, girls who have each other's back and girls who build each other up and become strong, powerful women, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that um, I think that that's so important in, in the world that we live in. And, and also just the idea of there being all different kinds of strength for women. I think we tend to think there's only one way to be a strong woman, you know? And we need to be kick butt and very assertive and, and all of these things. But I think that women are really amazing creatures. And I think that there are are so many ways and so many different kinds of strong women. You know, my, uh, my main character, Grace, um, her main strength is that she always gets up one more time than she gets knocked down. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be rough. She may wallow on the ground a little bit because she's had a rough day. <laughs> uh, but she will always get back up and try again. And there is a lot of strength of character um, in, in that, you know, um, Macy, who is her cousin and her best friend in, in the whole world is a very nurturing character. She's a character who, you know, will mother everybody and take them in and be their biggest cheerleader. But there's a lot of strength in that too, mm-hmm. you know, and then of course there's Eden who is, you know, usually if, if Hudson's not around, is usually <laughs> the toughest, you know, woman in the room or toughest person in the room. Um, and I would bet on her in a fight any day. So, you know, there's all different kinds of female strength, I think, in these, these theories, and, and that was important to me. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that, that you brought up Grace, because I wanted to talk a little bit about how, you know, this series really introduces, you know, these, these, incredibly, um, these incredibly strong characters, but as you say, like, they are flawed. They have a lot of things going on. They're young. They're dealing with horribly complex situations that, um, 
you know, it's, it's almost like if, if you serialized your book, I can just hear the narrator saying, you know, and stay tuned next week. Will our group survive the latest <laughs> challenge? Like, I can hear it in my head because it just seems like, you know, there's like 10 different things that happen in each book. And they've just been on this journey together. And, you know, and their, their relationships have changed throughout time. But Grace, throughout it all, um, it's funny that she's, so Grace being a gargoyle, it's funny that she is as strong as she is because she's like a rock, but literally, like literally a rock. But like she is, like she has that anchoring presence where she doesn't let anything get to her. Even as, you know, as she arrives at the academy, her whole life has been kind of turned upside down. She shows Mm -hmm. up. And she learns that she's in this place where the world, the rules that she knew are gone. And like, that's the starting point. And then you're like, okay, go. And it's just been nonstop for her the whole time. But she keeps fighting. And I think that's such an incredible, um, you know, I I think of, of story, I think of like Twilight, for example. And I think of what people have said over the years about Bella and, and, um, you know, did, should she have done this or should she have gone this way? You know, there's always the debate of, you know, great characters in these stories, you know, especially stories that have taken on kind of the public imagination, the way that a story like, like Twilight has, but there, there are always these debates, you know, did this person, did the character do the right thing? Like, did she make the right decision? Was she strong? Was she strong enough? Was she, you know, did she do what she should have done in that situation? Or did she let the, the, the man take over? And Grace is you really can't say that about Grace because she goes through and she is doing everything. You can tell every single thing that she does, she's doing because she thinks it's the right thing to do. Even if it's not. Even if it's not. And she takes ownership of that. But she also is aware that if she doesn't try, she'll never know. And she, and there's no turning, I mean, there's no option either. I mean, she's kind of, you know, usually it's, it's a, She's do or die. In, yeah, do or die. <laughs> she's backed into a corner. But I, I love that about her because she is such a great role model in that way of just, you know, don't give up and just do your best. Like, she's she's literally that poster, you know, of like the cat trying to pull it, you know, like, don't give up. <laughs> Hang in there. Like, do your best. Right. Even even when your best doesn't, doesn't feel like it's, you know, good <laughs> enough. Play any stretch of the imagination, right? Yeah, I really wanted... Grace to be a character that we could watch grow through the series. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like every writer says that, obviously, and means that, and, and does that, obviously. But, um, I, you know, I chose Alaska. I chose, you know, San Diego's my hometown, um, which we, we talked about earlier. And, uh, and I was thinking, when I was thinking about the series, I was thinking, like, if I was going to, if I was 17 and I had just lost my family, and I had to go anywhere in, you know, North America, mm-hmm. um, where would I feel most uncomfortable? Where would I feel most like a fish out of water? And Alaska, like, totally springs to mind because, um, I mean, when I, when, I was, when I was looking at, I wanted her to take a walk, you know, um, in November in Alaska. And I was like, oh, I was about to have her go take a walk. I was like, wait, she can't just go take a walk. <laughs> Like, what does she have to wear to go for a walk? And when she's Googling it, you know, in the book, I'm Googling it, too, because I don't know what you wear to go for a walk in Alaska. The answer is a lot, you know. So I really wanted her um, to come into this world, and I wanted to use her partly as a vehicle to help reveal the world slowly. So as Grace learns about the world 
the readers learn about the world. And so the world grows and grows and grows. And as she gains more friends in the world and more experiences in the world, you know, like you, you said, it becomes vast. And, and you realize just how much of this world exists, you know, outside of, of what we first thought when, mm-hmm. when Grace showed up at Catmere Academy. But, like, I, it was also important to me, you know, she has just lost her parents. And it was, it was very important to me that she be able to grieve Mm-hmm. For for her lost parents, and also that you know she didn't take this in stride. I mean, she doesn't take you know moving to this this crazy place like oh yeah well I got this and then oh wait yeah the guy I'm falling in love with is a vampire oh sure no problem <laughs> and uh, oh wait people are trying to kill me oh yeah that's like that's easy I got that no I mean she has she has panic attacks mm-hmm. and um, and and she has to learn coping mechanisms on on how to deal with that. And um, that too was very important to me. I have a, I have several people in my life who, who suffer from mental illness and and suffer from extreme anxiety, on um, some you know, um, I think very debilitating, and um, and I I've spent a long time. There are people who are very close to me, and I've spent a long time, you know, helping them, you know, learning coping mechanisms with them, and and also um, wanting them to understand that that they're not less. Because they have this mental illness, I think mm-hmm. that we stigmatize mental illness so much in, in, I mean, in the world, but in America certainly, and and people are ashamed of 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 having mental illness. They wouldn't be ashamed of having cancer. They wouldn't be ashamed of of breaking an arm. They wouldn't be ashamed of of any other physical ailment. Mm-hmm. But they're ashamed of the fact that 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 they have a mental illness, and um, and I I don't think that that's fair, and I I don't think that that's right. And I, I wanted to um, to show what it is to live with that, but also, you know, how she, you know, she copes and it's not always great all the time, but she, she works through it and, and some days are better than others. And, um, and I think that that too reflects the world that we live in, you know, any of us with any, anything that we have in our lives, some days are, are better than others. And Absolutely. sometimes it's really hard to get out of bed in the morning for, for whatever reason, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, and it was important to me that um, that Grace not just take everything in stride. That Grace does struggle, because I think that that's only fair. Because I feel that we all struggle. Absolutely, and I think that's what makes her so relatable as a character. Even though she's going through these fantastically supernatural situations, she's approaching them the way we would. Where sometimes you sit back and you're like, "Yeah, there's no way. There's no way." Couple that with. Um, the fact that, you know, she's been introduced to the, not only this world, but, you know, the fact that she's not who she thought she was. Um, you know, she, you know, as you mentioned, like, she's falling in love with a vampire. But as we learn, you know, at first, I mean, I, I have to I have to say that I thought that Jackson and Grace were, like, endgame, end-all, be-all. Like, I thought this was, I mean, this was the greatest, the, the most wonderfully well-written YA vampire couple I'd ever read. Until Hudson came along. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, I started to say, you know, I actually really, really enjoy the fact that they're so different. They're so diametrically opposite each other in their approach and their approach towards grace. Not in a bad way. I mean, it's either it's one of those things where you've created it beautifully where it's not either one would be fine. And they're both so very different. But I, what I love is that Hudson gives her space to do all of the, the things that she needs to do 
while also saying, you know, you also kick ass, so I don't need to worry about you unless you tell me I should worry about you. And then I will. I'll always be here. I'll, and he's such a dynamic character who kind of came out of nowhere. And that's, you know, to kind of bring our conversation to why we're here, your new book, <laughs> which goes into all of those missing moments where, you know, we're going to get into that, you know, how it all came about. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the decision behind moving her through these two brothers and, you know, these, they're, they're very different from each other. And Hudson was, was the villain for the, the majority of the story until we learned that there was some other stuff going on. Hudson's very comfortable being the villain, you know, it's, and it's, uh, I think it's a little easy for him. He gets to fall back on that. Well, of course. Yeah. I'm just the bad guy. What do you want? <laughs> you know, what do you expect? Um, but no, it was really important to me when we decided to go the route of two heroes, um, it was very important to me not to vilify Jackson because he is a really decent guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the themes that I didn't talk about earlier that I think runs through the series or that I tried to have run through the series is that first love is amazing and it's wonderful and it's thrilling and very often it doesn't last. Right. Um, Whether it's because you go off to different colleges and you meet other people, whether it's because you just grow in different directions, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, I don't know, whatever it is that that breaks you up. It doesn't necessarily mean that either of you is a bad person Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you had a bad relationship. It just means that you're no longer in the same place and you're no longer necessarily maybe the best thing. For each other. Jackson was an incredible hero for the very lost Grace who came to Catmer Academy and didn't know the world and was, you know, in grave danger and had no idea she was in danger. He was protective and he would take care of her and he would put her up on a pedestal and make sure that nothing ever happened to her. Um, and that's amazing. But the grace who comes into her powers and the grace who comes into who she really is doesn't need that anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? She needs a hero who recognizes her power, a hero who will always be there to catch her if she falls. Like, Mm -hmm. I've got you. Don't worry about it. I will always be right here and I will always fight right next next to you. And and I I will do everything I can to support you. Any way that you need me to support you. Mm-hmm. So he gives her the choice and he gives her the power. He says, you know, you tell me what you need from me mm-hmm. in this relationship. And I think that that is such an important thing because I think, I mean, and, and this is, you know, writers write about what, you know, our lives and our own experiences and and all of these things. And, and I think that that young Tracy would fall for a guy because he liked her and because he needed her and because of all these things. And I think that maybe young Tracy never stopped to think, oh, is this guy good for me? Mm-hmm. And is staying with him good for me? I, I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want, I didn't, I wanted to make sure he would be okay. I wanted to protect him. And, and while I think that, that, you know, all of those qualities I think are admirable in people and characters, I think that it's also really important for girls to know that they they do get to choose. They get mm-hmm. to choose who they're with. They get to choose how they want their life to be and, and what they want from a partner, you know? And, and I think that 
when Grace found Hudson and I and came to Hudson, I think that that she realized that yeah, she and Jackson will always be really great friends. She will always care about him. He will always care about her. But um, but what Hudson gives her is something that Jackson can't. Right. Right. So where, as a as a means of introduction, where are we in? this vast story that you're telling when we come to charm. Um, okay. So the, the series is six books long. Mm-hmm. The first four go in linear order. Charm is the fifth book and it actually fits between book one and two at the end of book one, something happens. Um, I don't think it's, it's a big spoiler. We've talked already about Grace being a gargoyle. Um, something happens at the end of book one, where Grace um, kind of comes into her power, learns what, what she is, you know, um, besides human. And, um, and in that, that, there are four missing months um, before she kind of, kind of comes back to herself and comes back to Katmere. Um, book two, Crush, takes place four months after book one ends. And um, Charm fills in those missing four months. Um, and, and what happens in... And how she actually meets Hudson. We meet Hudson um, readers as in the story. We meet him in Crush, which is the second book, um, part of the way through, and um, and and then he continues through the series along with Jackson and and um, and all of the other characters like Flint and Macy, and then some new characters that I add. Um, but those four months with um, what happened, where where Grace actually met Hudson for the first time, which she forgets, right? At the beginning of Crush, that's what Charm is. And it's um, it's a full book. It's a full action adventure. There's a whole world. We call it the Shadow Realm um, in the story. And um, and a villain and, and all of the things that you've come to expect from the, the Crave series. But it does specifically deal with the Grace Hudson relationship as opposed to the Grace Jackson relationship. Did you know that you were going to be telling this story? Was it part of your kind of vision when you set out? Did you know you were going to go back and fill in the four months? I mean, I always wanted to tell the story. My editor always wanted to tell the story. I think we weren't... Um... Is that how you keep it from being like 1,200 pages and yeah. <laughs> 13 um, inches thick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, um, I think we were worried. You know, we, you know, we weren't sure, you know, you know, we weren't sure with the readers if they would want it. When, it became, when Crush came out, it became obvious that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd originally thought we'd do a novella at some point. Uh, but then as I really, you know, sat, you know, I knew what had happened in the four months, but as I sat and really fleshed out, you know, with my editor, what, what we really, you know, how we move into book six with it, you know, and all of these things, um, or how we move through the, I shouldn't say into book six, at that time we were fleshing it out earlier, um, like how we move through the series with it, we found that it really fits in the timeline where we put it, um, partly because, um, I mean, I'm trying really hard to not give spoilers, right? This is the problem. Um, because there are epilogues and there are other things in here that kind of harken back to, you know, um, stuff you have to read book three and four to understand. But also because I feel like the things that happen in this book, you need to know the world more than you knew it at the end of book one. Because I think that there are things you would not understand if you read Charm second, like if I just said, okay, this happens in book one, and then this happens, Charm, and then Crush happens, I think that it would not ruin the world for you, but I think that you would understand the world a lot less in Charm um, than you do now that you've been through um, Crush and Covet and Court. 
was it fun being able to go back and, and create that story and, and have Hudson in have that version of Hudson to play with? It was. It was really fun. Um, because the Hudson that you meet in Crush, right, is already in love with Grace. Grace doesn't remember him, but he's already in love with Grace. He's already fallen in love with her. He already knows what it means to love somebody. The Hudson that you meet in Charm doesn't know Grace from anybody, doesn't trust her, doesn't like her very much, um, and uh, doesn't trust anybody because he's never, ever had anybody he could trust in his whole life. Um, So already in Crush, when you get there, he's already learned to trust Grace. He's learned to trust somebody. And, um, and of course, then when you go back and you read Crush After Charm, you're like, oh, poor Hudson. Or at least that's what I'm hearing from my readers. They are very <laughs> devastated looking at Crush after having read Charm. They're like, oh. But, um, but yeah, so he is, he is dark and he is broody and he is um, grumpy and he is <laughs> cynical. And uh, it was a lot of fun playing with that. It was really interesting going back to Grace because Grace, I think... I mean, she's always the same person, right? Right. But she's changed and she's grown so much through the series. So taking her back to where she was in um, in Crave was, was very interesting for me because I really had to, you know, kind of look at that and think about, well, okay, where was she, you know, eight days after she got to Cadmere Academy versus all these months later mm-hmm. when she's discovered the world. And what does that look like? Of course she's freaked out. Like, now not only is she in, in a world where vampires exist, now she's in, like, the shadow realm. And what the heck is going on, you know? And, uh, and, and, and there's this vampire that she thought was the villain all along. And why is she kind of liking him when she shouldn't? It's amazing to think. I, I absolutely love the idea of being able to go back and revisit that because it does add so much depth. And there's nothing better when an author presents another story or another version of the same story. So then you have to go back and read everything again and then realize, okay, well now, like that's where you get those big boards and the, the strings and the, you know, the theories <laughs> going on. You're like, okay, well now that connects to that. And there is nothing, as a reader, there is nothing better than being able to do that. So this is, this book is, is an absolute treat for fans, even though it's, you know, part of the, the overall series, but it, it really is. I mean, being able to go back and tell that story, I think is just a fantastic opportunity to, to really get in to these two characters because, you know, as I say, like I thought I, I, I'd never thought there was anybody but Jackson for Grace until Hudson came along. <laughs> You know, it's really fun being able to lay Easter eggs through a series, you mm-hmm. know, because the books are so long, and and, and I've, I've had the um, privilege, right, of being able to write six books in the series, and and now a spinoff series where I'm already laying Easter eggs for the, you know, the spinoff series, which people will not know and will not recognize as Easter eggs until maybe the first, maybe the second book, depending on, I'm still kind of figuring out how I want to tell that, that story of, of Remy and Izzy and, and what happens there. Um... But yeah, it's really fun to to lay the Easter eggs, and then as readers go back and 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 as they get to each book, be like, "Oh, that's where that was important. I had no idea that that was going to be important." But you know, here we here we go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and that's exciting. That's fun. Oh, I absolutely love it. And this, it has been such an honor being able to chat with you about this story, and I can't wait to. I, I, now I'm just, like I said, as soon as you finish a book, you're just waiting for the next one. So that's, I can't wait to see where we go from here and um, 
and this incredible universe that you've created. So thank you, Tracy, for taking the time to, to be here to chat with me. Well, thank you again so much for having me and for all of the lovely things you've, you've said about the Quave series. I am, I'm very grateful and thrilled that, you, that you're enjoying it. And uh, um, I hope you like Charm. I know that you're just starting reading it, but I, uh, I hope you like it. I, I, I love what I've read so far. It's Yay. a treat. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. It was so much fun to be able to talk to her um, about this book and about the series and to kind of understand how it came about and the things that that she felt were important in the series. And it's just it's it's always a treat to be able to get inside an author's head. And um, so this was a conversation that I really enjoyed. and I hope you enjoyed it, too. And if you've made it to the end of the podcast, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you like what we're doing here at the My Nights Are Booked podcast, please go ahead and, and leave a review or subscribe to the podcast or send me comments. Hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock. And thank you so, so much for your support. <laughs>